hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Renan Store. I'm Paul Bestall. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 149, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. Paul, round two. Let's try this again. The internet is not cooperating, but we'll, we'll do it anyways. How are you? I'm very well, and I am discovering just how much you can fit into 24 hours as I push the boundaries of time, sense, and reason. I, I love that you, you are you are cramming in not only your normal amount of Mysteries and Monsters interviews, plus your day job, plus additional interviews to get you through to Christmas, but also you've got an ex, a Hammer Horror Films exhibition coming up in your neighborhood mm-hmm. that you're planning to attend, and the World Cup is coming. Yeah, and I've got to see Black Panther. Of course, yeah, well, there we go. Yeah, so, and that's like six hours long. <laughs> and the sequel to Knives Out is out as well. Oh, is it already out there? No, no, it's out at the end of the month here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the 23rd, I think, that uh, very limited theatrical engagement. Yeah, it's out for a week here, and yeah, then it goes straight yeah. to Netflix. That's it. I think it's, yeah, Netflix in December. So you're you're a busy man. Yeah, I'll be even busier when England win. <laughs> well, at least you'll have a while to wait for that. <laughs> oh, hey oh. I'll be drunk for a year. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to those episodes. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, he's just talking shit about Boris Johnson the whole show. More more than usual. You and Dan Stevens. I'm in good company, but he's got much better hair. I got to say he does. Luscious. Bless. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I am living the life here in Montreal. I am very much looking forward to the episode that we've got lined up because... This started out, uh, Luke did, did a, a massive deep dive for us and, and poor Luke, he's so sick right now. Hopefully he's feeling better by the time this comes out. Feel better, Luke. But, uh, he did a massive deep dive for us. And originally the, the, the show was going to be missing time, stories of missing time. And then I was going through the sort of cache of stories he found and there were glitch in the matrix stories. There were, uh, really fascinating dream stories and I, it took me ages to whittle this down. And I realized what I was doing, I actually had three separate shows there. So this episode, we're going to be telling stories of missing time. And I, I really, you know, we've said this before on other shows, I find the subject fascinating. And I, I really think some of the ones we have lined up are, are great examples of that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to diving into those. As for me, it's, uh, I've been doing promotion for strange, of course, uh, a strange little place. The, um, the new second edition is now available for sale. You can get that on Amazon uh, via link in the show notes. And so I was on uh, Reeves Cook's show, Paratalk. He had me mm-hmm. on it, which was really nice. I did an interview with Jim Harold recently, which uh, was a lot of fun. I always enjoy chatting to Jim and uh, maybe one or two other things lined up as well, plus some, some print stuff. And, and actually, funny enough, one of the print interviews, I discovered that I was with, uh, I want to say Brian, it was with Brian from Superstitious Times. And he, we were talking about haunting and haunted places. And it turns out that I'm actually living right across the street from a, a haunted building, which oh. I, I guess makes, makes sense, you know, just given me. 
Um, I, I seem to end up in these places, but yeah, the gray nuns building across the street is, uh, again, was once upon a time a nunnery. It's now, I think it's called the Sejep, which is like, um, it's a kind of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also rent rooms there. It's like partially, you know, student accommodation, but also partially you can, you can rent rooms, but yeah, it's, uh, this massive grand building. If, if, if you folks follow me on Instagram, largely the truth, you'll, I, I put up a picture a little while ago. Uh, but yeah, apparently very haunted and supposedly there is a murderer buried at the far corner at the crossroads, which is of course the closest corner to my apartment. Mm, so, yeah. And that kind of kicked off this sort of series of, of weird little spooky coincidences and, and synchronicities. And I, I, I'm going to share, I think, um, yeah, I'm going to share two before we, before we get to the patron shout outs. Uh, the first one, it came, kind of came out of nowhere. Back in 2014, I went to go see the Lovecraft Film Festival uh, or the Lovecraft Festival in, in Portland with my cousin, Mike. And it, we got sick as fuck. So we only got to see a few movies and we, we got badly, badly ill. So we only got to see a few, a few movies. But uh, one of the ones I saw was this Scottish film called Lord of Tears, mm. which is about this, this guy who goes to his family's ancestral home in, I assume, in the Highlands and discovers that there is this thing called Moloch, this owl monster, this owl god who is pursuing him. And it's not an amazing film, but there is something about it that stuck with me. There is something like deeply creepy about it. I don't know exactly what, but it's just one of those things you can't put your finger on it. Taken sort of individually, the pieces don't really add up to much, but there's something about it that made it stick in my mind. And recently it came back to me. Couldn't tell you why. And I've never been able to find it since then. Mm. Then randomly it turned up here in Canada on Plex, which is a a free streaming service. So I watched it the other night and I enjoyed watching it again. And then today on Twitter, I discovered just randomly in my feed that the director of the film was in the last two hours of a Kickstarter, literally as I checked my phone, was in the last two hours of a Kickstarter for a deluxe novelization of the film. Which if you buy into the Kickstarter, you can also get like a, an improved version of the film, you know, with better audio and, and like remastered video and things like this. Yeah. And so I, I picked it up, you know, I, I joined the Kickstarter. So it was just a bizarre coincidence. I don't know what put that film back in my head. Again, I hadn't seen it in eight years. So I, I have ordered my copy of, of the Lord of Tears book. I'm, I'm very curious because like I said, I, I, the film is not amazing, but there's something about it. Mm. And uh, apparently Alice Cooper is a big fan. So <laughs> I'm not the only one who sees it, but uh, yeah. So it was a funny little coincidence. And then I was catching up on your show. I was catching up on Mysteries and Monsters. And I got about halfway through the, the episode with uh, Ruth Roper Wilde, mm-hmm. whose book- The Roadmap of British Ghosts, volume two. That's it. And she describes, I want to say, is it Risley? Yeah. There is a story about this, this couple who thought they were going to collide with a, another vehicle. Mm. but the vehicle just drove through them. Yes. Well, while sorting through the stories that Luke found, I found a story from America, if I'm not mistaken, about a young guy who was, who I think he lost control of his bicycle and headed out onto the road and he was about to be hit by a van and it was like the van drove right through him. Mm. I've heard a couple of those similar stories from some open line shows on, on the Art Bell feed. Oh, really? And there are people that have claimed that they too have been in situations where they should be having fatal car crashes and they've passed through something. Well, when we finally do the Glitch in the Matrix show, which I think will be episode 151, mm. th- there's, some, there's some 
really fascinating shit. And I, you know, some of the glitch of the Matrix stuff, like I, I don't think we live in a computer simulation at all, but I think it's useful shorthand for just things that don't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there, there's a lot of really fascinating, fascinating stuff in there. But, but anyways, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Like I said, on this episode, we're going to be telling stories of missing time. And uh, it's a really long, we've got a very long script because at the last minute I found a couple longer stories that I really wanted to, um, really wanted to include. So we're going to, we're going to get right to it. But of course, before we do that, we have to thank our patrons. This one's for the patrons. Patrons, we are the Tyrannosaurus to your Rex, by which I mean, it is you who makes us feel like kings. (laughs) For real, guys, without our patrons, the show just doesn't go. And of course, everyone who listens to Ghost Story Guys, every single one of you who downloads the show, you help make us what we are. But our patrons are the ones who truly allow the show to continue. You guys pay the bills. You guys uh, pay my bills. And we're both deeply, all of us, are deeply grateful for it. And of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we would especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are... Hannah Lulu, 92. Joseph Davis. Devon Teeter. Sonia Leonardo. Mark Shoemaker. Colleen Guillory. Alex Lewis. Julia Ava Bacon. Guys, thank you so, so much from the bottom of our terrible, terrible hearts. And if you listen to the end of the show, we'll tell you about all the cool shit you get. But we will say, for a dollar a month, you get an ad-free feed. And who doesn't want that? Ads suck. And so if you want to get in on that, head to patreon.com slash guys. And shout out to our composer, Rainy Days for Ghosts. Rainy Days for Ghosts is a project of film journalist and composer Jerry Smith. If you'd like to hire Jerry for your project, shoot him an email at rainydaysforghosts at gmail.com. And Jerry has announced that he has been hired to score the film Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama 2. And of course, if you are students of schlock film, as Paul and I are, you will remember Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. That was a, uh, yeah, we'll call it a classic. From the, from the 80s, and uh, yeah, Jerry has been hired to score the second film. But again, if you want to hire him, shoot him an email at rainydaysforghosts at gmail.com. Also, Brennan, apparently Ali really likes our show, and she doesn't think we'll ever say hello, Ali, to her. Oh, well, hello, Ali. Boy, are you wrong. Yeah. Hi, Ali. Hi, Ali. Again. That's what, three times now? Yeah. Hi. Hi, Ali. Hi, Ali. Five. I can count. Well done. I'm proud of you, son. Thanks, Dad. Anytime. Well, that was disturbing. Okay, let's never do that again. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is going to be all about missing time. That phenomenon where you will, uh, essentially you'll be doing one thing and then something feels not quite right. And then you wake up and you never, you don't remember falling asleep, but suddenly you're doing something much different and an amount of time has lapsed that does not make any sense. And I thankfully have never had this experience to the best of my knowledge. But uh, I, I have definitely heard stories of this. And I believe this came up, Paul, because of the experience on the haunting in Ch- or the high strangeness in Chicago episode. Mm-hmm. 
there was that couple who had the experience of missing time when they were driving home from Indiana. Yeah. And so before we get to those stories, though, I wanted to actually want to share something uh, that another little spooky, just random thing that came up recently. Of course, on the show, we've run ads for the horror author, Steve Stred. And Steve is, uh, he's a fellow Canadian. He is, a, as it turns out, even though we met each other on Twitter and had no idea about this, he thought I was from Victoria. I thought he was from Edmonton. It turns out we grew up probably half an hour away from each other and had absolutely no idea. And not only that, um, I, I have a cousin, well, I think he's passed now, but I had a cousin who was very infamous in a certain part of Canada um, called the Kootenays uh, because he was a little bit colorful, we'll say. And uh, I never got to know him, but, uh, and he was very much, you know, it was the proper side of the family, you know, so they were the Protestant side. So they were very not happy about having this fellow associated with him. But uh, it turns out Steve had actually given him a ride home once in the rain. So we had, again, all these weird little coincidences. <laughs> and uh, I was tweeting last night about um, the missing time episode when he got in touch and we were just kind of talking about the subject and he wanted to share something that, he, that he's given me permission to share here. And it's just, again, one of those things that we don't have an explanation for it, but it doesn't make sense. And it's coming from someone whose judgment I trust. Mm -hmm. And so I, I thought I'd share this with you and, and with, with the audience. So Steve's story goes, when my friend was in college first year with me, I asked what he was doing for the summer. He said his grandma had died in the winter in Germany but they were going to go in the summer for a celebration of life as they could go in the winter. This was in the summer of 2000. So he has a photo taken with a disposable camera and he showed Steve the pictures when he got back and he thought it was pretty cool. But what they did notice is in one of the photos, there was this guy looking at him and they didn't think anything of it because you know, you're in Germany, you're taking, you know, taking pictures. Um, just this guy was staring intently at his friend. Mm. And so that's, yeah, well, odd. Yeah. Well, Steve, Steve goes on to say two years later, right before he moved elsewhere, a bunch of these friends were going to go to Seattle, but Steve and his wife couldn't make it because his own aunt had passed. So Steve's friend went with five other classmates of his and they had a great time. He says, the photos they took made us so sad and jealous because we couldn't go. He said, this, <laughs> he said, this would have been 2002 also on a disposable camera. Yeah. Well, Steve says about a week after he showed us the Seattle photos, he came storming into class and he threw down two photos and he said, look at this. And Steve said his friend was very freaked out. Yeah. His sister had noticed exactly the same guy in the Seattle photos. The same guy who'd been staring at him in Germany was staring at him in the Seattle photos. <laughs> taken down at Pike Place Market near the gum wall. And Steve has seen these photos. He's wearing an old looking plaid suit and a Charlie Chaplin type hat. This, his friend's sister recognized the man and went and found the photo in the Europe album and matched him. It is the exact same man, the exact same position, exactly the same distance away from Steve's friend watching them. Oh. Isn't that messed up? Yeah, that's weird. I don't think that's a man. I don't think that's a man either. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, thanks to Steve for sharing that. And Steve, Steve's a friend of the show. Um, he's actually just shared a copy of his uh, upcoming book, Churn the Soil, with, mm. with me. And, uh, you know, I've read, I've read about four or five of Steve's books and Churn the Soil, which I believe will be out in February, is easily the best. And that's saying something. So 
If you're a horror fan, if you like uh, stories set in cold horror stories set in cold places, check out Churn the Soil. Pre-order it now. I I do not think you'll be disappointed. All right, and with that, let's get right to the stories. Movie Night. A few years back, before the pandemic, my husband Mike and I decided to go see the new Marvel movie. It might have been Captain Marvel, I'm, I'm not sure, but we went to go see it at a local cinema. The cinema isn't far, but the good seats fill up fast, so we always leave early in order to be able to sit where we want. That night was no exception. If I remember right, we left 40 minutes ahead of showtime, expecting to arrive with 30 minutes to spare. To get to the cinema from our house is a quick trip. You head straight to an intersection, take a right, pass through three roundabouts, and you're there. We had gone through the traffic lights and were on the straight stretch when I commented to Mike about a driver behind us who was really riding our bumper. This is when it all goes sideways. As near as we can tell, we both felt, at the same time, a strange sensation of waking up and found ourselves driving very slowly down a random side road. Neither of us understood what had happened, but a look at the clock told us we had lost 20 to 25 minutes. We still went to the cinema and made it in time for the movie, but our seats were lousy. When I brought it up the next day, after I'd had some time to think about it, Mike became visibly uncomfortable and acknowledged what had happened, but then changed the subject. It wasn't until a year or two later, when we were having drinks with my parents, that the subject came up again, and he was willing to open up. According to Mike, he remembers driving and hearing me mention the car behind us, but he never saw a car. Just bright headlights. The next thing he remembers is kind of becoming aware again. I think he doesn't like to think about things he can't explain. I'm always interested when people have experiences like this, that usually if there's two or more people, one person will be very open about it and be quite happy to talk about it and try and consider the possibilities and the explanations and the other is just like nah yeah no nope don't want to talk about it nope not interested that that has been my experience when i was researching strange the first time way way back i remember there was a ufo encounter that uh, at the time a friend of mine had experienced and he was with someone who saw it but she just started backing up from it and eventually reached a point where she would say, no, I, I, don't, I don't remember it happening like that. I don't, I don't think that's right. Hmm. And that was, yeah, she just, just could not face up to it. I think the thing about that particular story is that there's this aspect of them ending up on a random road, which doesn't make any explanation because it's not on their way. Yeah. So why, even regardless, I mean, often people say there are numerous witnesses and reports in regards to alien abductions and experiences where people come to and their clothes are on back to front or inside out or the famous one that's on unsolved mysteries about the incidents that happened in Hillsborough in the US that they were all put back in the wrong places in the car right of course i remember you talking about this a, a, quite a while ago mm. so um things like that do happen it's almost as if they've forgotten where to put them or where they were or, or what they were wearing. I mean, it's nice to know that there's even, a, you know, aliens doing abductions who just don't, they're quiet quitting. They don't give a shit about their jobs. 
Zorlax, where did we get them? I don't care. Just put them back. We're about to hit break time. If we're late for lunch, we don't get any added on to the end. I don't work 800 hours a week for six Saturn credits for this shit. <laughs> That's right. God Just a bunch it. of angry blue collar aliens. I don't know. I kind of like that, actually. That, that That's a version of the galaxy I can get behind. The Star Trek shit where everyone's everyone's in nicely pressed uniforms, not so much. But someone out there is uh, out there wearing like space denim and getting into space butterfly knife fights with, you know, space gangs. No, that that's much more my speed. I'm off to join the Venusians. Enough of this shit. <laughs> That's right. Oh, uh, maybe they also have a, a completely, completely uh, malfunctioning two-party system. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Yes. <laughs> Clicking. This happened last week. It's still bugging me. So I was sitting on my couch around midnight and I hear this clicking noise to my left. It's a few feet away, and just sort of floating in the room, like chest height. It sounded like a mix of hot metal clicking, a June bug flying, and someone snapping their fingers. Two times. Click, click. Come to think of it, it almost sounded like an old camera shutter, but the tone of the clicks was the same note both times really similar to an old camera. I hear it a couple of times in like 10 minutes. It was like a click, click, then nothing for a minute. Then click, click. I didn't think of anything until it starts to float across the room in front of me and into the light of the TV. But there was nothing there. No big fat bug like I half expected. Nothing but the clicking. I kept hearing it click as it floats by and I say, what the fuck? Right then, it's like it found me. The noise went straight for me and then the clicking sped up as it flew straight into my right ear. Came straight for me, I'm positive about that. I grabbed at my ear and I'm in total confusion and distress. Then, I'm just on my couch like nothing happened. I'm not grabbing my ear. I'm just sitting there. It's not like I woke up. I wasn't tired, and I was sitting up. I looked for a bug or something to explain it, but there was nothing. The weird part is that I had this crazy feeling that someone had broken into my house. I felt violated or something. Like someone stole something, but nothing was missing. Like in my mind's eye, I felt someone leave out the front door, which was right by my couch. It's really hard to describe. Don't ask me why, but I had a weird, unexplainable feeling like whoever came into my place looked on my phone for some information. So strange. I was afraid to look out of the window for a few minutes, but then I got the courage to open up the blinds. Nothing there. But I kept searching below on the ground. I'm in the third floor. And when I finally sat back down, I kept expecting someone or something to be in the window, floating there. It was so weird. Weirder is that I felt that whatever the clicking was, it came from above and was projected down like a machine or an energy beam. Like it wasn't natural and I knew this somehow. At first I wasn't going to include this, but there was the, then there was that moment of missing time. Hmm. And I thought, okay, no, this, this fits. Because one, 
you and I both have heard uh, a story of clicking. And, and of course, I bring this up on the show all the time. That's <laughs> Ron Moorhead. Yes. You know, he, he uh, you know, famously recorded the Sierra sounds, the mm-hmm. what he says are Bigfoot vocalizations. But part of his experience involved one electronic interference on the radios, which we're going to see later in the show in another story, mm-hmm. but also clicking that seemed to, uh, at first it was outside their shelter. Mm. Then it was inside their shelter and seemed to be moving around in the dark from person to person. Mm. And then the same clicking followed them home. As I recall, individually, each of them reported hearing a clicking sound. Yep. So I thought, well, let's, let's do a dive and let's see if there are other clicking stories. And, and there are. And so <laughs> folks, we got, we had three different examples and we're going to read to you. And then I'm kind of, I, I want to get Paul's take on this. So the first one, this person says, yesterday I had my wedding ring snap on me. It wasn't a cheap ring. I've had $10 rings from Walmart last longer than this one did. Then I woke up at 3.45 a.m. to me pointing at myself, and 15 minutes later, I heard what sounded like a full-blown conversation in clicks. Like, where am I? On the set of fucking signs? <laughs> I thought to myself, still tired. <laughs> I, I had to leave that in. I thought to myself, I, though I was still tired but very much alert, please don't be anything. Stop it. Then I got quiet and I rolled over on the other side of my bed to hear it start up again, but it sounded hasty. I don't understand any of this. About one and a half months ago, I was watching Netflix late at night after work. A continuous snapping sound started to be heard. Really similar to cracking your knuckles, but deeper and more raw. By the time I realized it wasn't the pipes on my stove, the sound was louder. Still pretty faint, but you could hear it. I'm sure it was coming from my room. I opened the door and nothing. But the sound was coming from the room in every direction. As simple as it may seem that this wasn't the last time I would hear it. I would hear it from random parts in the house almost daily, multiple times every so often. After two or three weeks, I started hearing it at my workplace as well. And it seems I'm the only one hearing it. I went to a neurologist and someone to check my ears and I'm 100% healthy. They had nothing to say to me other than drink more water and sleep more but they also denied the fact that these were auditory hallucinations. These sounds can be heard daily, from everywhere. My car, my local cafe, while alone in the bathroom. At least once or twice a day, in different occasions that last 30 seconds for up to 5 minutes. There's no logical explanation, so please give me some crazy suggestions. I'll try anything. And then the last one, and then we're going to talk about these. I've been hearing light tapping and sort of clicking noises in my room during the night, notably after 2 a.m. The noises are not present during the day and stop after a while. They scare me to some extent as I try to fall asleep. They don't come from my window or my radiator, but from the center of my room, where I have a few objects in a mess on the floor. The noises seem like they're coming from these objects, but I never see anything once I turn on my flashlight. They also stop when I turn it on. They are distinct enough for me to hear them well, and I can recognize from which direction they're coming. I live in an old house and often you can hear the pipes, yet the sounds that I hear are very different from the sound pipes usually make at night. The clicking and tapping can be single sounds or maybe two to three in a row, but there's no specific pattern to it. And so Paul, I'm very, very curious to know what you think of this. Clicking is something that is reported in quite a lot of paranormal reports 
in the past. Not so much these days. Really? Mm. But a lot of parapsychologists in the 20th century would report clickings as well as knockings. Oh, interesting. And these days, people don't really seem to talk about clicking very much, and I don't know why. It seems to be just not reported unless they're sort of amalgamating any kind of auditory noise as a knocking, whereas in the olden days, they used to distinguish between a click and a knock. Well, when I was digging through the various resources to find these stories, there were actually a lot more examples of clicking. I just kind of chose three. Mm. So it does seem like it's it's something people are experiencing. It's just, uh, again, not necessarily, again, maybe not hitting the major reports or, you know, people are not paying attention to the significance of it. Mm. I, I just think people don't report it properly in this modern era. And therefore, when other people experience it, they're really confused because no one talks about it anymore. And therefore, they think, what, what does this mean? You could surmise that perhaps it's some kind of physical reaction to something moving around the room and the popping noises, the, the sound of dimensions flexing. Well, you know, I, I wondered because, you know, sometimes you'll hear stories, you read stories about, uh, about the sound of like a, when a vacuum yeah. Is the, and, and yeah, exactly. And I wonder if that's, if there, you know, if something was moving from place to place, hmm. if it was occupying air, if occupying physical space, but not in a way we can see, and hmm. it was moving from place to place, maybe what you're hearing is the air rushing in to fill the empty space. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of them says it sounds like somebody clicking their fingers, which is essentially just friction and air popping. Yeah. So it might be something just moving around the room so fast. That's what's causing the click. Is that common? Is that a poltergeist thing or is that? I think it, general hauntings. Okay. So just, well. just, just very sassy ghosts yeah. doing that finger snapping thing. <laughs> they all want to be in shows. Well, I, I, hey, I, that's where the money is. <laughs> Great. So, so the jets, they're being haunted by the jets. <laughs> yes. Something about the Jets, they haunt people in a variety of situations, be it American football or show tunes. They're certainly haunting Steven Spielberg after the colossal failure of of West Side Story. (laughs) Well, you know, put that down to another entry into films that should never be remade. I was thinking that. You know, I just feel like... Oh, why? Yeah, this this is now the musical, guys. But, you know, why, why, why remake that? Do modern audiences really want to see this this pretty dated story by this point. I'm sure the songs are great, but just the mm. story itself is dated. That's a very old way of way of life. Clearly, what the world needs is a remake of Breakdance 2, Electric Boogaloo. That's what we need. I don't even know that one, but I will watch it. <laughs> I know the term Electric Boogaloo because every time, you know, people will always add that on. We're talking about a part two, but I actually did not realize. Oh, Breakin', Breakin'. Break into Electric Boogaloo. It's not the one with Ray Dawn Chong in. I've never seen it. Like I said, I know not, I, saw, <laughs> I know Electric Boogaloo and I know Be- Breaking. It just I just remembered, but no, I do yeah. not. I one know of those weird about. things that happens in films that she was in that and Commando in the same year. <laughs> the versatile lady. <laughs> oh, she got a better agent. Well, that could be too. <laughs> the daughter of Tommy Chong. You gotta you gotta always keep moving forward. Absolutely. I actually have a signed book from him. Tommy Chong. <laughs> From yeah, Cheech and Chong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was her dad. I'm pretty sure that's her dad, yeah. My God. Let's find out here. Let's. 
<laughs> Thrilling stuff. Radon Chong. I am almost certain. Yeah. Yeah. Her parents, Tommy, Tommy Chong and Maxine Sneed. Wow. But yeah, I have a, I have a signed book from Tommy Chong. A friend of mine got it for me at a signing. Did not get to meet him myself. Mm. This was, uh, I was elsewhere, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what you learned about me today. They were also big fans of the Warrens. Who's that? Chief and Chong? Yeah. Really? No. <laughs> okay. They were so, once on a talk show together. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, they kept putting devil fingers up behind their heads every time the Warrens were talking and pulling faces. <laughs> I, I, oh. I, I don't think they were buying into the conversation. It says something about the state of the world when Cheech and Chong have a more sober perspective on the fucking Warrens <laughs> than like 75% of the podcasts out there. Or Netflix these days, it would seem. Or that, yeah, or that. I saw Graham Hancock's getting his own show now. What? On Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's getting his own series. Things I haven't found in the desert. (laughs) How I can misinterpret archaeology with Graham Hancock. What if, but no, with Graham Hancock. Yeah, no, he's, he's got his own Netflix series coming out. What if people didn't build this structure? It was aliens. What oh, would you he... say then? I'd say you're talking shit, Graham. <laughs> I didn't realize he was also an ancient aliens guy. Hmm. Oh man, that's a bummer. You know, he gave a he gave a keynote speech at a at a cannabis conference I was at a long time ago, and I don't know. I mean, he said some stuff I thought was genuinely interesting, but uh, yeah, it turns out he's a crackpot ding dingbat. So that that's uh, I guess yeah, I can. He's one of those people up. my normal friends occasionally message me about. Oh yeah. And say, oh, have you heard of Graham Hancock? I mean, I don't know whether they're trying to insult me or test me. Um, <laughs> and I say, have you heard about Graham Hancock? Oh, he's got some really interesting ideas. No, he hasn't. I lived through the 90s. We had to read that stuff. The sign and the seal. The only thing I can say, it's better than Eric Von Daniken. Well, I, I mean, that's a low bar. <laughs> the racist theories of the gods. <laughs> So there you go, folks. That's your uh, your sneak preview of upcoming Netflix series that you should avoid. <laughs> so next up, we have two short stories, which uh, are both examples of what we're talking about, but also will illustrate something that's going to be happening in the following story. So I'm going to read those to you now, and then, of course, we'll talk about them. First one. One night about 10 years ago during the summer, me and three friends were driving back from a concert that was in a town about an hour and a half from where we lived. About halfway back, a couple of the guys had to piss. It was dark out and we were between towns, so we just pulled off on a side road and parked about a quarter mile from the highway in an empty parking lot at the base of some trail or park or something. There were no lights anywhere, but the sky was clear and the moon bright. Me and the driver were waiting in the car listening to the radio when we heard, What the fuck? Right then, the car died completely. No power, nothing. I realized it was pitch, and I mean pitch, dark to the point where I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. The temperature dropped to, the temperature dropped too from the mid-80s to the point where I was shivering cold. This went on for maybe 30 seconds or so, and then just as quickly, the car's power came back on, the temperature warmed up, and we could see again. Only now there was dew all over everything. Creepiest thing that ever happened to me. Not a day goes by I don't think about it at least once. This is something that happened to me and a friend around 18 years ago when I lived in Trinidad. It challenged my sense of the world, and to this day I still have no adequate explanation. My friend and I were hanging out with his cousin in their new house. This was a somewhat busy area, 
near to a major commercial centre. At around 9pm we decided to take a walk to a convenience store for food. His cousin decided to stay at the house. It took us 30 minutes to get to the store, passing a fair amount of vehicle and pedestrian traffic. On the way back, we both started to get this really weird feeling. It's hard to describe now, but both of our experiences matched up when discussing it later on. It felt like the air was much lighter, thinner. The street seemed odd somehow, out of place. All of a sudden, there were no cars or people around. Everything went dead silent. This continued for a few minutes and we both started walking faster. What freaks me out to this day and what I could never explain is this. Both our watches stopped working. My digital and his analogue. His watch stopped at 9.41pm. He was later able to get it fixed. Mine was dead for good. When we got back to the house, it was minutes to 11 and his cousin was freaking out. We were gone for an hour longer than we were meant to, but there was no way we could have taken that long to get back. If anything, we walked faster coming home than we had getting to the store. And so the first part of that, the blackout, that, as I say, that's going to be relevant in the next story we tell. But I thought it was interesting that there's a story from Trinidad, because I, I think sometimes there's this criticism and it, it, it's a bullshit criticism, but it's levied at these stories. Well, they'll say, well, you know, that's, it's just, it only ever happens in North America, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's, it's, of course, it's nonsense, but yep. I thought it would be nice to include a story like that that just shows like this, this is a worldwide phenomenon. I mean, I, I one of the first stories of this type I ever read was from South Africa mm. and it was four people in a Jeep out in, you know, sort of out in rural South Africa. So it, it was, you know, it, it happens all over the place. But I, I think part of the issue is, you know, not all these places are obviously English speaking. So you don't find, it's harder to find those stories. I agree entirely. And, and also, I mean, you, you were saying on that episode of your show with Ruth Roper Wild that, you know, Ruth was talking about Wales yeah. and how, and Scotland, how she's had a hard time pulling stories from those places. Mm. And someone suggested to her that it could just be because to those people, it's so common that it's not noteworthy. Yeah. And so I, I thought that was interesting. So I, I wonder if it's a similar case with, again, with, with some of these things in, in, you know, places which are non-English speaking, you know, because they're, I mean, it's not true across the board, of course, but I know, you know, English speaking countries, you know, so say Western countries, we seem to very much have this, this sort of baked in, you know, notion that, uh, it is sort of this rationalist mindset, you know, for better or for worse. Mm. And we just, we've decided that, you know, everything that is not that is a, is a pathology or, you know, if you're a Christian, everything that is not that is demonic. Mm. And I wonder if places that have less dogma around those things have a little more room for, you know, for, for these stories. Or also as well, perhaps. A lot of these places don't wish to share them because they're sick to death of being told that they believe in superstitious nonsense and they need to get with it. Well, yeah, there is that too. There is that too. Funny enough, there's this old boss of mine uh, back years, years ago, I used to work on this newspaper and he sent me a link uh, yesterday actually. And it's a CBC article in which these people claim to solve ghosts. And you'll be shocked to know 
it's utter bullshit. <laughs> they have three people, these three, you know, scientists of various stripes or sociologists or whatever. I think there's a couple scientists and a sociologist, but basically they're, they're looking at the most obvious folklore versions of ghost stories. And, and just, be, you know, because it's easy to pick apart something that's, that's tied together with silly string, mm. they take the story and they go, oh, well, this is clearly this, this is what this is. Mm. You know, ghosts are, are grief hallucinations mm. and oral folklore uh, used as a way to reconnect with the past in places like India where development is taking over the old way of living. Mm. And it just, it was so frustrating because again, it's, they look at the most idiotic stories, you know, like, oh, the elevator in this building is haunted by the spirit of a, of a worker who died there. And the woman who was investigating this particular, or who was dealing with this particular story, she was very impressed with herself for looking through the, the records and finding out no one died there. Mm. And, and this was treated as some revelation, you know, well, obviously no one died there. So, you know, this is an example of, yeah, and I, no shit lady. <laughs> and I know reading through the forums where we, where we find some of these stories, quite often, you know, people will put out a story and they'll say, well, this is what I experienced. And the skeptical response is basically just, yeah, but what if you didn't? Oh, well, boy, I'm sure glad you're here with your, your razor sharp brain. <laughs> Jeez, it never occurred to me that it, it just didn't happen. I'll go fuck myself. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. If you can take something that's a, a crock of shit. Then it's easy to disprove, isn't it? But therefore, well, that's it. The, the cynic in me would say they've chosen that specifically because they can explain it. Yeah, that's very possible. That had not occurred to me, but I would absolutely believe that. Well, I'm 100% convinced that exactly the reasons why they would choose it. It's like, as with anything, when people discuss certain paranormal events, they will focus on the bit they can explain and they will not discuss anything else. It didn't right. happen. Right. Like at Enfield, they go, oh, well, they caught them cheating twice. What about the other 1,600 incidents then? They were very committed to the cause. Mm. What about, like I've always pointed out when people go, oh, yeah, they, they, it was just the kids missing off, missing about. So what? So the kids pulled a cast iron fireplace off a wall then? The very really? strong kids. But the kids pulled a chair across a room they weren't in in front of two police officers. Did they? Hmm clever it's yeah, just the so. simple fact we'll we'll talk about what i can explain and ignore everything else and it works both ways you know i was jokingly earlier saying to somebody on on twitter people still put berkeley square forwards as a real haunting in london i'm not familiar with the story yeah, well, you, I'm, all i'm gonna say is it's put forward as a the most lethal haunting in britain none of it's true at all there is no evidence whatsoever that anything of this is a tall tale. The, the fact that the person that publicized it 50 years after it was a, a newspaper story changed the names of the people involved three times and the story changes slightly differently every time. Was it Elliot O'Donnell, the uh, famous early 20th century paranormal chronicler? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not familiar. Uh, he did a lot of stories about ghost animals and things. Right, um, but yeah, he the story started. Two people originally, the original version, it was two sailors broke into a house. They were terrified. 
One of them died in a room. The other one escaped with his life. By the end of it, one went flying out of a window, thrown by a power, a terrifying spirit. The right, other one went right, right. mad. So, yeah, none of it's true. Not one iota. The only thing that's true about that is is that Berkeley Square is a real place. <laughs> well, that's he it. nailed that down. So you got to you gotta admire him there. Yes. <laughs> and to be clear, folks, I skepticism is necessary. Paul and I, yes. I think, are skeptics. Yes. You know, in, in as much as we, you know, we don't believe everything people tell us. Mm-hmm. And I know we have skeptics who don't believe in the paranormal who listen to the show. And I value that. I value the hell out of that. You know, the, the, again, when we talk about the stuff, we're talking about lazy skepticism. Again, the, the version of, uh, of it where someone goes, yes, but what if that didn't happen? Are you sure it wasn't just infrasound? Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Blackout. I go to a college built some time in the 1800s, and while there are a number of stories about it being haunted, I don't really buy into it. That's not to say there isn't something strange happening here, because there is, and I've somehow become swept up in it. My roommate Aza is never here. She always just stays at home and commutes to school for classes, which means I basically live alone in my dorm. As an introvert, I could not be happier. After dinner, I usually just go back to my room, lock the door, and work on homework. A few nights ago, I was at my desk working on a paper in the dark, and listening to music on my phone when all of a sudden, the music stopped, and my laptop switched off on its own. Neither the computer nor my phone would turn back on, like something had just disabled all the electricity in the room. At that point, I just kind of accepted my fate, and decided that it would be a good stopping point for homework. It was probably after midnight anyway, and with the next day being a Saturday, I didn't need to use my phone to set the alarm. I decided I'd probably just go to bed and let both devices charge. Less than a minute after everything shut off, there was a knock at my door. I remember walking to the door and going to look through the people, but after that, everything went black. The next thing I knew, I was waking up in my bed, on top of the sheets. I never sleep like this. On top of that, when I checked the door, it was unlocked. I never leave it unlocked, even when I'm in the room. Hell, I'll check the door three times an hour out of paranoia, just to make sure I didn't forget to lock it. I've even turned round halfway on the way to class to see if I've remembered to lock the door. I figured it must have been my roommate who came to the room that night and I was just too tired to remember. So I texted her to say she'd forgotten to lock the door on her way out last night. When she finally responded, it was to say she'd never been at the apartment. I thought she was lying or messing with me or something, but then she FaceTimed me, and she was in a completely different state. The only two people I would have opened the door for were her and campus security and I have no idea why security would have been at my door past midnight, especially since I was making zero noise. And no one else has a key, so I would have had to have been the one that unlocked the door. Nothing in the apartment was out of place or missing. I finally assumed that I must have dreamt the whole thing and that I'd somehow unlocked the door in my sleep. My phone and laptop were working fine after all, and they showed no signs of damage. A couple of days later, though, I started telling my friend in class what had happened, and as soon as I mentioned that my electronics stopped working, 
some other girl that I didn't even know but it in and asked, Was there a knock at your door afterwards? The girl, we'll call her Brenda, proceeded to match my story almost exactly. She was alone in her room, all the electricity shut off. There was a knock on her door. She went to check through the peephole, and she remembers nothing after that. Her only difference was that she woke up on the floor next to her bed, and not on top of it. She said she also knows someone else that this had happened to. A friend of hers will call Josh. When we finally got together to compare notes, we came up with some common threads between us that may or may not mean anything. The three of us were born in the same year. Our laptops and phones are the same brand. Our hometowns are all within a two-hour drive away from the campus. We are all here on full scholarships. And this last one may be the weirdest one. We were all hypnotised at a show recently held on campus. Ever since our initial incidents, the three of us have begun to have weird dreams. At first we didn't think much of it, but it's been about a week and every dream we've had has been like this. It's super hard to explain, but these dreams are almost unnaturally good. You know how dreams are generally neutral, or at least have some mix of good and bad emotions. These dreams are all so happy that when we wake up from them, it's almost depressing. Like a few nights ago, I had a dream that my parents were back together and we were all celebrating my birthday. And Brenda then had a dream where she was playing with hundreds of puppies in a grassy field full of flowers. It's so ridiculously cheesy, but in that dream it's like we were experiencing a heaven. Also, and this is probably the weirdest part, after waking up from these dreams my vision is black and white for a good ten seconds. I will perceive absolutely no colour at all, and I will look like I'm in an old movie. I'm not sure if that's because of all the old stuff that's been happening, but it is unsettling to experience. Brenda and Josh haven't had that happen to them, so I can't say for certain that it's related to all the stuff that has been going on. Recently, we found another person that this has happened to. Another girl we'll call Christy. Christy lives down the hall from me, and had basically the same experience as us, except it was months ago. Other than that, she fits into the pattern I've mentioned above. We're not sure why she was even such an early occurrence, but we're pretty sure she's telling the truth. We all started sleeping in the same room together to make sure we aren't alone at night. And I'm going to be honest, I wasn't too scared when this whole thing started, but I've been slowly getting more and more freaked out the more we talk about and theorise what could be happening. The whole situation has gone from weird to absolutely dreadful. We have a rule to keep the door locked and not approach it if the power goes out. We've also set a curfew for ourselves at 10.30pm. The only problem is that the room doesn't have its own bathroom. Instead, there's a communal one for girls down the hall and around the corner. The boys' restroom is upstairs. Last night, Josh needed to use the restroom. It must have been around one in the morning. I was super tired and super paranoid that something would happen if he left us, so I tried to offer him a water bottle to use, but he said that was gross and insisted on leaving to go upstairs. Before he left, we set a secret knock so that we'd know if it was him at the door or not. 
looking back, it would have been a good decision to have all of us go, or at least one, acting as a buddy system. But in that moment, it was hard to think clearly. Almost immediately after he shut the door, the lights went out. The three of us froze, laying there in total silence. In the light from the hallway, we could see the shadow of two feet walking in front of our door. They stopped and stood there for maybe thirty seconds, though it felt much longer than that. I can't tell you how scared we were. I couldn't even speak. The shadow then slowly walked away from the door, and the lights came back on. We were all still holding our breath, and Brenda was practically on the verge of tears. Josh came back shortly after, and said he hadn't seen anyone in the hallway going to or coming back from the bathroom. Maybe it was nothing, and we just freaked out over some sort of coincidence, but that was probably the scariest moment of my life. None of us slept that night except for Josh. I'm currently trying to find out if I can attend class remotely from home for the rest of my semester, because this is freaking me out, but I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my family. How can I say I don't feel safe on campus? Hopefully this will be the end of it. This one fascinated me because, you know, if we take the storyteller at face value, it's clearly this is, this, this is upsetting. Mm. This has really left a mark on them. Mm. But at the same time, part of me wonders, you know, is there, like, when I was reading it, I was thinking about a long time ago, I was dating this girl and she was much more into the parent. I wasn't into the paranormal at all back then. I thought it was all bullshit. And she was really into it. And one night we were out for a drive and we were over on the other side of town in mm. Revelstoke. And all of a sudden we both started getting this bad feeling. We just had this bad feeling. And, you know, this sort of persisted and, and we just thought we have to go home. We, just, we, should, we need to go home right now. It was almost like we were winding each other up without it trying to. Mm. You know, I, I think it was like, call it folie adieu. Is that the? Yeah. Yeah. So we were kind of doing that, just, you know, not intentionally winding each other up, but one person kind of, it becomes a bit of a feedback loop. Mm. And I wondered if maybe that's what happened here. But at the same time, you know, if we look at the accounts, you know, that there are, there's enough stuff that is similar to other things we've documented on the show, including, you know, the blackout from earlier, from the earlier story. Yep. That there does seem, there's enough commonality that there does seem to be something there. So I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? I think one of the things about this particular story is that it's clearly deeply unsettling for all of them, but it, it shows the human condition of trying to find reasons or patterns to explain yes. what yeah. is happening, because I don't think any of the things that connect them are relevant in the slightest. Yes. And I think often, well, it's human nature to try and find a pattern or a system in something strange to try and explain why it's happening or the reasons for it happening. Whereas this seems to be a collection of random situations that seems to have brought them together. Um, and the fact that you would expect them to feel worse on their own than they would together. And yet the fear seems to magnify by them coming together to try and deal with it to sort of validate their own experiences that they've had previously, even though 
common sense would say safety in numbers, this clearly doesn't seem to be working in that respect. I've never heard of anything similar affecting people like this, so I'm not really sure what's going on because there's clearly some kind of elemental aspect to this, you could say, with the electrical systems going haywire, but you've also got a missing time aspect to it, strange occurrences, odd behavior. Who knows? I, I was thinking that with when they were trying to narrow down the similarities, you know, the, well, we all have the same laptop. I, you know, I'm sure if we, if you took a, a sort of a census of the school, there probably a lot of people have those laptops. Hmm. You know, there's a reason you all, you all have the same laptops. <laughs> and to say that we all live within two hours of the school, I mean, that's not the, also not a, that uncommon. That's probably why you're at the school. Well, that's very real possibility. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I, I think something, there was enough there that I thought it was worth relating on the show because again, it's something about it bothered me. I'll, I'll be honest, actually, something about this whole episode bothered me. Hmm. Not, not directly, maybe. I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm a little bit off my game today, but when I started putting this together, I just had a really weird, a really weird feeling. Best way I can describe it. And that could just be because I, you know, generally speaking, have like a, I find this kind of be a creepy topic, but I just feel like there is, there's something about it as a whole that it's almost like it just pried open a little part of my mind mm. and things just didn't feel quite right. And this story, it, it's got that feeling to it. It's got that, that little bit of a, a little bit of a current undercurrent of, no, there's, there's something here. Mm. And again, I think it was the, the, the commonality of the, the lights going out to the, to the, the experience of the people in the car. What was interesting to me is, and I didn't include it in the story just because I, I didn't necessarily think it was all that um, relevant to, to what happened, but there is apparently a campus urban legend about guys hypnotizing girls' dorms, and I didn't realize this. This is sort of something that, you know, some, one of the posters suggested that this is what happened. You know, you, you had all been hypnotized at the show, you're all susceptible to hypnosis, and, you know, therefore you're all hypnotized, but... I feel like, now, uh, of course, I don't know a lot about hypnosis, but I feel like a lot of people, their impression of how hypnosis works is sort of informed by stuff like that film, Now You See Me, <laughs> where Woody Harrelson's character basically seems to have like mind control powers. You know, essentially he just waves his hands in front of your face and all of a sudden you're going to do whatever he says you, you do. And it, obviously, it's, you know, I, I don't know a lot about hypnosis, but I'm fairly certain it doesn't work like that. Mm. And and it made me think how many how many weird experiences on campuses are attributed to these bizarre urban legends that oh. you know it, it it's easier to believe that um you know that the, the 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 nerd fraternity has figured out a mind control gun than it is to actually try and you know look at stories like these and try and pick them apart. But then why is Josh being hypnotized? Well, that's it. Yeah, it, it, that it it doesn't fit the pattern. So, but it, like we were talking about the lazy skepticism on the last segment. It's, it's close enough for some people. So they'll just go, oh yeah, well that must be what it is. Case closed, you know, move on. It's apparently like, yeah, horny hypnotist nerds. And believe me, that's a scary thought, but <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think that's what's going on here. No. And sadly, we know enough about real life and college campuses and situations to know that some people, if they're that way inclined, aren't even going to be asked with hypnosis. They'll just attack people. Yeah. There, there's that too. Yeah. Uh, folks, if you have any theories on this one, we would love to hear what you have to say. Ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Let us know. 
What's your theory for, for what happened in this particular story? We're going to take a quick break to pay the bills, and we'll be right back. Remember, if you're a patron at $1 and above, you don't have to listen to ads. Head to patreon.com slash guys for more information. Orange Light My parents live in a large house in Pennsylvania that backs up to a large wooded area, and one house that sits a bit further back than ours into the woods. The downstairs is probably 2,500 to 3,000 square feet, and there are numerous big windows, including bay windows in the living room that look out into the woods. This probably happened about nine years ago. My sister was around 11 or 12 at the time, and I was about 20. I was babysitting her for a couple nights while my parents were out of town. It's worth noting that my parents never went away, so I do find it odd that this happened the one time they did. It wasn't too late at night, maybe around 11, and we were sitting with every light off downstairs, specifically watching lightning bugs out those bay windows, just talking. All of a sudden, there was just a huge burst of orange light with no sound. It filled up the entire downstairs like someone had turned the lights on, but even brighter than normal. It was almost a deep orange, and my first reaction was that our house or the neighbor's house behind us had caught on fire. We both got up to run outside, and that's the last memory I have of that evening. I know we woke up the next day as normal, went to my old high school's basketball game, and had people over after. There was absolutely no discussion about the night before. Fast forward to about two years ago. My sister, who's now 18 and 19, and I were sitting around the kitchen island just talking. All of a sudden, I got a burst of memories from that night, but only what I just mentioned above. I blurted out to my sister, Hey, what happened that night with the orange light? And she immediately knew what I was talking about. Turns out she'd had a memory just the night before that she didn't connect until that moment. Here it had been seven years since this incident where we both never said a word to each other, and then we both suddenly had memories within the same 24 hours. It's worth saying that my sister can be oddly psychic and just aware of things that are completely foreign slash unknown to others. She also reported seeing things in her house as a kid. Her vision, or dream, from the night before was of us running out the back door, which we ran out of that evening, and there being a large green glowing orb in the driveway. That's when her vision ends. It wasn't until I brought up the orange light that it clicked in her head that that was that night. I guess she was just thinking of it as a dream before that, but in that moment, she realized it was actually a memory. What's especially weird about all of this is that my sister and I are very interested in the paranormal, especially space-related things, and there is absolutely no way we would have just walked back in after that odd experience and gotten in bed without any discussion as to what the hell just happened. I know we would have offered many theories, as we have now, instead of just ignoring it and getting in our separate beds. What's also weird is that my sister and I both never go to bed before midnight or 1am, and if I'm home, we usually sleep in the same bed, falling asleep watching a movie or something. That night, I specifically know we just went to bed in our own beds, which is where we woke up the next morning. I've tried to rationalize what happened, like thinking about headlights turning around in the further house's driveway, but they don't match the lights at all. I mean, this was like nuclear explosion bright, lighting the entire downstairs a deep, deep orange. However, even more than that, I'm weirded out by our completely uncharacteristic reaction to what happened. So, Paul, yet again, we have an appearance from, from the green light. Mm. What are your thoughts on that one? They are unusual bursts of light, especially when they happen in confined spaces. 
Well, this one seemed to be coming from outside. Mm. Uh, well, the, the, I, I mean, I assume it's coming some, somehow coming from that green light, but then why would a green light produce an orange light? Yeah, exactly. Because I don't think they're even on the color spectrum, do they? Uh, like to say, I have no idea how the how color spectrums work. I'm so green light wouldn't normally cause an orange light, even if it was refracted through a prism or something, would it not? You're uh, uh, yes, no. I don't know. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. Because <laughs> uh, green's made of red and yellow, right? So, unless of course that would then, if you refracted it back, it would turn maybe orange. E. I wouldn't understand how that could even possibly happen. No. I mean, we've we've had so many instances of this green light connected with with paranormal phenomenon, you know. I, I, again, we've we had our listener Travis who was headed home to his his home in 8 Mile in Detroit when he saw a a green panel light up in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had my own green light encounter and actually in the updated version of Strange, I have another account from a school friend of mine who had his own green light encounter. Mm-hmm. In Revelstoke, so the, the, there is something. There is something to it. I just again, I I don't know what. And there's something instantly creepy about green light, isn't there? I mean, having been bathed in it from a source I could not identify, yes, yes, deeply. Whereas, because it's not a natural color for a light, really, you would expect. You know, we associate blue light with uh, or, or blue tinge lights with things like waiting rooms or or hospitals or dentists and. Normal True. lights are sort of orangey or, or white. Occasionally, you may visit establishments that have red lights for the particular I, reasons. I, my friends have mentioned this stuff, but I, I wouldn't know. Yes, I've I've heard about, I've read about it on the internet. Yeah, and my friend um, my friend Roxanne talks about it sometimes. <laughs> One for the grandparents there. And, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think certain colors, well, as with anything, certain colors cause an emotional reaction in people, yeah. really, regardless. I think the thing that bothers me most about these stories is that, especially ones like this, is it feels like there's, you, you actually talked about this a little bit, I believe, on the episode with um, David Weatherly, this idea that you're dealing with, it, it sometimes feels like we're dealing with a, a, a singular or a greater intelligence that is playing with us. Mm. And I know John Keel, you know, he kind of ended up here. Like by, by the end of his career, he was pretty pissed off <laughs> with the whole thing. It was kind of done with it. You know, if you read the, was it the eighth tower? Was that his final? Yes. Yeah. He, that is a dispirited man. That is a broken man who wrote that book. But I think about that. I think about what, what if it is smarter than us and you know, above us? Like what, what happens when we run up against something that treats us the way we treat animals? Mm. It's not a great thought. And I know there's that movie Dark Skies, which I always found very frightening. Uh, was, I think it was uh, with Carrie Russell. Mm. And it wasn't very well reviewed, didn't do very well. But man, that movie, that, I don't know, something about that movie always stuck with me. And I think it's because it puts forth that idea that, you know, what if we're helpless? Well, we would be in, in the face of any extraterrestrial contact. We are already helpless. How do you mean? Because they are technologically eons ahead of us we would be like ants to a human to them well and that's what i mean whenever ants and you know magnifying glasses are combined things don't really go go really well for the ants yeah i mean you know there's a reason why stephen hawking said that us sending messages out into space was the worst thing we could possibly do because you never know who's listening (laughs) all we can hope is that they're more evolved than we are (laughs) 
you know? There's some kind of spit the space brothers are out there and they're just they come to Earth and they think, look at these poor idiots. Yeah. Well if if they've got any sense they'll come come to Earth and talk to the dolphins and octopi instead. <laughs> well, isn't that happened in, in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the dolphins all left? Yeah. Yeah. So long and thanks for all the fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're off to somewhere we'll be appreciated. <laughs> That's right. Backwards. I live in Maine, way out in the sticks. As such, there are some great opportunities for hiking, camping, etc. I'm a 28-year-old PhD student, and I'm currently working on a research project in the field of philosophy. I'm not a very religious person, although I wouldn't call myself an atheist. This is to say that I'm not someone who subscribes to the paranormal or religious doctrine, Today started off like any other day. I woke up around 6.30am and had a couple of cups of coffee. I toyed with the idea of going to the office to get some work done, but I ultimately decided to just do my work in my home office. That way I could stay in my lazy clothes, have tea and be comfortable while doing my research. My wife woke around 9am, saw that I was working in the office and came in to say good morning. At about 10 I took a break to have a late breakfast. Now I like to take short breaks, especially when the readings are a bit dense. Sometimes I just need to distance myself a little so I can think through the concepts I've just read about. Around 12.15 or so, I decided to save my work and go for a walk. My house is situated right next to some hiking trails, which are also used as cross-country skiing trails and snowmobiling trails throughout the winter. It's very well groomed and I love taking slow, solitary walks far into the woods. Since I only wanted to take a short walk, I figured I would go up to the main trail, walk up a bit and exit near the ski lodge, which is next to the woods. I would then walk around the block and end up on my street again. All in all, this short walk usually takes me 15 minutes. The main trail is pretty wide open and it breaks off into smaller trails. Today I figured I would stick to this main trail and just to take the very short side trail out to the ski lodge. I was walking and thinking about my reading. The sun was shining, the weather pleasant, although it was a bit humid for my liking. I'm not really a summer person, I much prefer the autumn. I entered the trail and was just walking, enjoying the sounds of birds and insects, breathing in the scents etc. I could sort of see the sign for the lodge up ahead, a small blue sign that reads Ski Lodge, with an arrow pointing towards the narrow trail to the right. But there was something next to the sign. I have terrible eyesight and I wasn't wearing my glasses, so from far it looked kind of blurry and I thought it might be an animal. I was kind of excited thinking it may be a deer or something, but then I noticed that its movements were really strange. It was moving side to side, kind of swaying. As I got closer, I realised that it wasn't an animal. It was a man. He was wearing a beige t-shirt, khaki pants and a brown hat, which kind of looked like one of those pork pie hats, but I'm not 100% sure. As soon as I realised this was a person and not an animal, the swaying stopped. I kind of stood there for a minute. Should I move forward? Should I turn around? Something about him seemed odd. 
His back was facing me and he was just staring down the main trail with no movement. To enter the side trail to get to the lodge, I would have to walk right past him. Now I'm a petite 28-year-old woman, and although it's daylight, I'm not far from civilization. I started to get creeped out about being alone in the woods with some strange man. The guy never turned around. At the time, I thought he just hadn't heard me, but the trail is a bit noisy when walking through. Think of dry grass leaves and such. Then again, anything is possible. At this point, I realised the best bet was to quietly turn around and walk away. Just as I mentally made this decision to leave, he starts walking backwards towards me. Keep in mind he didn't turn around and just walk towards me. He started walking backwards towards me down the trail. At this point, I turned around and booted it out there as fast as my legs would carry me. Even after I got out of the woods, I continued running until I reached my street. When I got home, I was sweaty and my wife was pissed off. She said she'd been worried sick, which worried me as as far as I was realising, I'd been gone 20 minutes tops. At this point, I looked at the microwave clock and realised it was close to 4pm. So where the hell did the time go? At this point, I started freaking out a bit. I know I left home around 12-ish, and I took the usual path I usually walk on. Even if I'd not seen the man, the walk would not have taken me close to four hours. From the time when I first noticed the man, to the time I got scared and ran off, it was probably no longer than five minutes tops, if that. Where did four hours go? What was this? I've never before experienced missing time. I've no history of mental illness, and I'm not really a believer in the supernatural. All right, so I've spent enough time on the show talking about why going outside generally is a bad idea, so I, I'm not going to belabor that point. <laughs> but but I will say, if you're, if you're going to go outside, if you insist on, on defying me and common sense and, and all that is right and good in this world and going out into the woods, wear your fucking glasses. I just cannot imagine wandering out in the woods and, and just kind of blearily going, oh, is that a deer? I sure hope it's not a bear or a mountain lion. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's Hell's Own Scarecrow. <laughs> I, I, that, is, that is someone who has a death wish. I, I don't know. I, I've always had this innate sense uh, that the world is a terrifying place. You know, I, I know some of, my, some of my male friends, they'll hear stories and they'll go, oh, well, the, you know, it's not that bad. You know, the world's not that dangerous. No, the world is that dangerous. You dung. You know, you, you, because you've never been actively faced with, you know, anything like directly threatening, you think, well, you know, I could just throw a punch. You know, that thing where uh, like a disturbing number of guys think they could take a bear in a fight. <laughs> it's the same thing. They're just like, oh, it's just a bear. Come on. And, and no, I have a very keen sense of my place in the natural order. And that place is not at the top of the heap. That is. It is, it is sub bear. And the way you avoid getting sub bear is by wearing your glasses when you go outside. Especially in Maine, which has the largest population of black bears in the eastern US, I think. Does it? Yeah. So that, that's even crazier because Revelstoke has black bears. Yeah. So that's like going for a walk in Revelstoke when you're, you know, again, you could very easily run into bears and just, just 
being blind, half blind. You know, oh, what's that? What's that adorable little hump? Oh, it is a trash compactor with teeth. <laughs> and he and has come to you get to me. Bigfoot. Well, that's a whole other beast. Mm. <laughs> that's how you end up a forest bride. <laughs> Willow Creek. In Willow Creek, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know where to start with this one. No. no <laughs> Regardless the... of the nature danger. <laughs> yeah. The hell is this? Well, part of me, part, again, you know, part of me thought, ah, oh, maybe this is just, again, you know, like a uh, creepypasta. But we've seen other stories, especially, you know, in stories uh, when we did Death uh, on the Road Revisited, there was a stories from India where they would see the ghost on the road, but they would never see its front, always just the back. Mm. And I'm fairly sure, certain that on Luke lore, Luke has talked about some yokai yeah. with this, this same thing that they, you only see the back of them. You don't see the front. Mm. And so I, I, I thought, no, there's, there's something here. And this story, someone in the comments linked to another story, which will be our final story for the night. And it, it was very similar, but unconnected in every way. Like they, they, these people don't know each other. They're not from the same place. So I'm, you know, we were kind of forced to go, all right, so there's, there's something here, but, but what? There was a story I, I, I elected not to include just because the show was going to be long enough, but it involved a woman who went to go check on her dad's, ca her dad's cabin. Mm. And as I recall, she lost track of time. And when she came to, she was a little ways off the path and she had a cut, a bloody cut on her forearm. Mm. that wasn't there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember reading an account a long time ago, and I'm certain I've brought it up on the show before, but there was a woman who, when she was a kid, she remembers seeing a deer. She remembers wandering away in the woods and seeing a deer, but there was something about the deer that was just off. You know, it was almost, it was too perfect. It was, there was something about it. I don't remember specifically, mm. but when she came back to, uh, one, she had been gone for quite a long time, and two, she... There was a sticky feeling on the back of her calf. And when she finally, she had, cause she was wearing jeans that were pretty tight. When she finally went back inside, she had been neatly cut along the back of her calf in a straight, in a very straight line. And it had bled fairly, you know, quite a bit, but her, her jeans, which were, again, were very tight and were not something you could just pull down or pull up quickly rather, uh, they were not cut. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yep. Yeah. Shrug. Shrug is what I got too. Them aliens, man. I was going to say, I mean, this is pretty consistent with abduction lore. Well, there's a lot of weird things at play here. You could kind of say, is are we entering the terri territory of the forest folk and the fae? Oh, boy. You're killing me, Paul. <laughs> well, it's not cryptozoological. You know, we don't have. Men in, in uh, khaki pants running around the woods going, whoop, whoop. <laughs> trying, to, trying to kidnap PhD students, you know? Not that I'm aware of anyway. If they are, I don't know what we call them. I hope I never find out. Cacazoids. There we go, the cacazoids. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. It's going to turn up on, uh, oh, and no, I was going to stop it. I didn't say that. <laughs> never mind. Now. Yep, moving on. Um, Cacazoids. <laughs> and, and especially usually when people encounter strange people in the woods or on trails, we usually end up with the, you know, the plaid shirt. 
brigade turning up. Yeah, that's a good point. Rather than uh, Captain Beige. Oh, maybe this is it. Maybe we have yet another interstellar conflict between the plaids and the khakis. Well, you know, one likes playing, one likes a bit of, bit of danger. Oh, what's yeah. that? There's a song. What's a, There's a song like, I like this, you like this. <laughs> Aliens are just saying that. You say beige, I say played. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Let's We're gonna both end. wear gray. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is where the little grays come from. <laughs> Maybe that's it. That's it, yep. man. You've cracked it. The great concordance of, of uh, Zoltar 9. They're like, oh, you know what, guys? We're not going to wear, we're going to wear these gray suits, and that's what we're going to do. What happens when the carcassoids and the plaids mate is we get the grays. Well, that's an image. Mm, a good one. I, I, well, I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I am curious to know how something called a cacazoid would fuck. <laughs> Gently. Well, yeah. <laughs> I want to make love to you. <laughs> I, I, I once saw this movie and I'm not, I'm not proud of this. It's called Thong Girl versus Zolta. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of this. Okay. Well, I love that you know what this is. And, and there's a scene where the alien who might be Zolta, I'm not sure, but he's, he's got blue paint on mm. and he is having space sex with a space lady. And because this actor is, again, these movies are garbage. The, the actor playing the space blue guy, who Zolta, I guess, um, he is, you know, thrusting atop this. It's not a porno, to be clear, but he is thrusting away atop this, this actress playing his, his paramour. And because he's sweating so much, you can see his blue paint coming off on her. And it's just, <laughs> it may be the ghastliest, seamiest thing I have ever seen on screen. And I've seen the collected works of Paul Verhoeven. Mm. Yes. And yes. Joe Esterhaz, I should say. The collected works of Joe Esterhaz. <laughs> so Paul Verhoeven gave his Robocop. He gets a free Yeah, yeah no, I, was, I was thinking Joe Esterhaz. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of those moments in cinema, isn't it? It's like remembering seeing Flesh Gordon 3. And the only thing I remember about that is the scene where he meets the shit people. There's, I did not realize there was a third Flesh Gordon. I knew there were two. Yeah, I'm sure it's three. I don't know. It's a very, very, very long time ago. If I'm not mistaken, Flesh Gordon, uh, and the, which is, I believe, Flesh Gordon and the Cosmic Cheerleaders, I think that was actually written by someone from Revelstoke. <laughs> that Cosmic Cheerleaders does ring a bell. It might have been Flesh Gordon too then. Yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken, let me just, let me look this up here. I hope so. This is going to be the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> He was, yes. He was, he was an assistant director, first assistant director. He's first AD on Flesh Gordon Meets the Cosmic Cheerleaders. That is a Michael Buffero, who, who likes to say he's from Vancouver, but he's, he's from Revelstone. <laughs> I think that's the one I've seen. I, I've only ever seen uh, Flesh Gordon Classic, the first one. And I, I remember thinking, being absolutely baffled that it was pornography because it was the least arousing thing I'd ever seen. And I was a teenager who would have been theoretically aroused by a rock that had the word sex written on it. <laughs> One of the best things I've got here is uh, a review that says the following. All right, I'll be the first to admit that I didn't know what to expect from a title that included the words Flesh Gordon. I knew there would be some pretty raunchy stuff in it, perhaps some slightly tasteful softcore, but I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> 
And uh, for, if you want to see the more uh, cinematic delights from <laughs> Son of... Find, if you want to watch Flesh Gordon. No, no, you don't want to watch Flesh Gordon. You really don't. None of them. None of no, them. No, 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 no. Again, I've seen the first. The first one is ostensibly the best one, and you do not want to see that. It's a very low bar. As, yes. Oh, that is... you. That, it is not possible. There are ants who can't limbo under that bar. <laughs> but... Um, uh, there's the barber. If you can find it, it was starring Malcolm McDowell and it is sort of a Sweeney Todd esque horror film filmed in Revelstoke. So if you want to see my hometown on the screen, check out the barber directed by none other than, than local son, Michael Buffero and starring Malcolm McDowell. Um, of course we've got the, uh, the ghostry guys, uh, Facebook group and, uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone posted recently. What, what is your tenuous humble brag connection to a horror film and uh i believe they said that their the friend their friend's daughter is in a photograph in the film the boy i want to say yes and mine was that when the barber was filming in revelstoke my uncle rented movies to malcolm mcdowell that that was my tenuous connection to a horror film <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break to pay the bills and we'll be right back with our final story for the night. Backwards 2. I've been living in a rural wooded area in southern Michigan for the last 15 years of my life. I spent quite a lot of that time in the woods located behind my house. When I was little, I used to ride my ATV on those trails. As I grew older, I'd take my girlfriend for walks in the woods. Sounds a little ominous. As I grew older still, the house was passed down to me and became my own. What I'm getting at here is that I know the five square mile hunk of woods behind my house like the back of my own hand. Just for fun, I used to take my friends for long walks out into the middle of the woods, usually with some booze or something to smoke on. I would always insist on getting us lost, but I could always find my way back to familiar territory by locating some type of game trail, ATV trail, or tree that I remember from 2006 basically any one of the thousands of reference points that I have in these woods. That's extremely important to know for my story. I haven't gotten lost in those woods in the last 10 years, except last Sunday. It was the 17th of February, and I had just finished having my after-lunch nap. My dog was giving me the look, so I knew I was going to have to go out into the cold. I remember I hadn't been outside all day, so when I stepped outside in my usual heavy jacket-sweater combo, I started sweating. It was close to 50 degrees outside, so I stripped my jacket off and left it on a chair in my den. After I took the first few dozen steps, I remembered I had left my cell phone in my jacket pocket. I was thinking about turning around to get it, but wasn't expecting any important calls, and once I get into the trees, my reception is spotty at best anyways, so I left it. So I started walking on the main trail that leads just about from my back door to the main tree line. I made this trail with a four-wheeler and a bunch of spare time when I was a kid and connected it to the one huge trail that everyone else would ride on. I continued walking my regular path, my trail starting to take me into the woods. If I'd continued straight, it would have taken me to the main trail. If I had it right, it would take me to another trail I made that runs parallel and close to my property line. That's the trail I usually take back. I continued straight to the main trail and made a right at the T to push me further back into my own property. This trail continues for approximately six kilometers, twisting and weaving its way through the woods. My dog, a Brittany Spaniel, 
was doing her usual thing, which consists of staying about 20 meters away from me at all times and occasionally running by at high speed to say hello. She's pretty chipper for being 13. Anyway, we kept walking down the main trail. A few trails branch off to the sides, but I know where every single one goes and only one deviates from the main trail and goes to someone else's house and that's about a kilometer and a half away. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Some messed up stuff happened in the next 90 seconds. First off, my dog did her usual thing, which is the moment I turn down the trail to go home, she takes off trotting and gets home about five minutes before me. I don't know why she does it, but she does. Just as I was turning onto the trail, watching my dog disappear into the woods in front of me, I caught movement out of the left side of my vision. Thinking it was an animal, I casually cocked my head to get a better look and immediately stopped. My neighbor's 18-year-old kid was standing not 20 feet away from me with his head down. I didn't even know what to do. I just grunted and stared at him for 20 seconds, thinking he's going to at least acknowledge my presence. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore, and I shouted his name. No response. My head started swimming, and I looked around for something familiar to grasp onto. I was in full fight or flight. I could see my dog looking at me about 100 meters away in the woods, and it looked like she was coming back. I remember that vividly. I looked back at him, and now his back was to me. He hadn't made a sound in the process of moving, and he should have. In order to turn around that fast amid all the twigs and dry leaves, he would have made a bunch of noise. His head was still down. This is kind of, uh, well, shit. I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it. I'm a 26-year-old man. I felt something tug. Now, when I write the word tug, I want to write it in all caps. I've never felt anything like it before. It was the opposite of what you would sometimes feel as you drift off to sleep. That feeling of weightlessness. This was the exact terrible opposite. It felt like I was falling out. I can't explain it. I'm sorry. When I opened my eyes, I could tell something had changed. The neighbor wasn't standing there anymore. It was darker, but not in the sense that it was suddenly overcast if the sun had gone down. It felt like a solar eclipse. I couldn't even sense where the sun was coming from. There was a little more snow on the ground than there had been before. I, I don't remember why that sticks out to me. It might be because I'm associating it with the fog. It was slightly foggy that day from the snow melting but now I, I couldn't see more than 20 meters out. It felt like the woods were alive with something that did not want me there, and I never wanted to witness. I remember dark shapes moving out of order in the fog. Trees that weren't really trees because trees don't slightly shift from side to side. I stood there looking around for about 30 or 40 seconds. I was petrified. This wasn't the place I had grown up living in. This wasn't even some place I felt I was supposed to go. Alien pops up in my head when I think about this. Everything felt alien. When I finally tried to take a step, I felt that tug again, and I was back. I was back on the trail headed to my house. My neighbor was standing in front of me smiling. He asked me how I was doing. I couldn't respond at first, but was finally able to kind of choke something out as I extended my hand to give him a handshake. He didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. At this point, I started to feel sick. I remember the kid asking me if I was all right. He said I looked pale. I told him I was feeling a little under the weather, but otherwise okay. I saw something out of my peripheral vision. It was my dog approaching us at an angle with her hackles up. I hadn't seen her like that unless she was squaring off with a particularly nasty raccoon. 
Then I looked back at him. His head was down. Then I felt a shock. So this is a really hard to explain part, so please try and bear with me. Picture you're somewhere with a friend of yours that you know likes to joke around a lot. In mid-conversation, he suddenly pretends to cold cock you in the jaw with his fist, but stops before he hits you and is really fast. That instinctual jump that you feel, that's what I felt times a hundred. It felt like the kid had suddenly tried to attack me, but my eyes didn't register anything. I put my arms up in defense as I started to step back, but before I took a step, I realized I was somewhere else. I was about 10 minutes down the trail at the point where it would connect to my trail. I jumped again in shock. I looked around. It felt like I should look around for something, but everything was as it should be. The woods were completely normal. I walked around in circles for a few minutes, eventually lighting up a cigarette. I'm trying to quit and I only smoke two or three a day. I've burned through a pack since this happened on Sunday. After smoking half the cigarette, my dog came trotting down the trail coming from out of the woods. Not from the direction of the house. How did I get ahead of my dog? Then I threw up a couple times. I felt dirty. I rushed down the trail to my house with my dog in tow. I locked up and went to the bathroom and cleaned myself up. One of my roommates would be home soon and I could figure everything out with him. When he finally got home, he saw me sitting in my armchair with a glass of whiskey and a cigarette burning in the ashtray. Not something he would see me doing at four o'clock in the afternoon unless it's a special occasion. We talked for a while and I think he was starting to understand how I was feeling about what had just happened. He tried his best to assure me I wasn't crazy, but I still felt like I had budding schizophrenia or something. We finally decided on a course of action. He was going to wait for our third roommate to get there in about an hour. Then he was going to go over to our neighbor's house, by himself, and ask to talk to their kid. He was going to hint if anything funny happened, and then he was going to relay the information to me. A few fingers of whiskey and a few smokes later, my other roommate finally arrived and went into her room to get changed and take a shower. She didn't even notice that I was staring at a television that wasn't on, getting drunk and smoking cigarettes at six in the evening. Then again, she isn't one of the most attentive people I've met in my life. Finally, my roommate came back and looked shocked. He sat down next to me and started telling me his story. He had walked over to the house, which is a good walk away, and rang the doorbell. He could see that no one's car was there, except for the neighbor's two cars and the broken down Monte Carlo that's been sitting there since I was a kid. After waiting for almost a minute, he told me, the door opened a little, only about three or four inches. He said, hello, to the cracked door, and reached his hand out to push it open, thinking that the neighbor had popped it open and walked back to whatever task he was doing. Just as his hand was going to graze the knob, the door opened quickly, to the image of my neighbor's kid standing there with his back facing my friend. My friend said his head was down. He said, hello, a few more times, thinking that the kid must be playing a joke on us. Finally, he pushed the kid, just, just a little bit. When he did, he, he said the kid pushed over like he was dead and fell to the floor. Before he could react, the door slammed shut in his face. He started ringing the doorbell and pounding on the door like a madman. He tried the knob and it was locked. Finally, the house's caretaker opened the door, glaring at my friend like he was insane. My neighbor's daughter is in need of constant medical attention due to an unfortunate accident, so there's always someone there looking after her. My friend asked if the kid was home, and the caretaker said he hadn't actually been dropped off home from work yet. That's all the information my friend relayed to me. He doesn't want to talk about it much, and both of us have been on edge all week. 
It doesn't seem like my neighbors would try to pull a trick on me. They know I'm not the type of person who likes to be messed with. I absolutely know that my roommate isn't messing with me because he's been my best friend for the last 20 years and is the closest thing to a brother I have. This has been screwing with my brain for the entire week. I don't know what to do. I've been taking my dog out for her regular walks and nothing odd has happened. My roommate, he says he's been having trouble sleeping at night and yeah, I have to admit I have been too. I'm at my wit's end. I have no idea. I was going to say, Paul, that might be the weirdest story we've ever run on this show. The hell is going on there? I, you know, someone in the comments suggested that maybe, I mean, this is a little bit, this is way, way out there, but it's a weird story. So I guess we have to at least acknowledge the possibility. <laughs> you know, they suggested that maybe because the younger sister was incapacitated, maybe there had been some kind of attempt to contact something to make an offering. You know, sort of like, um, you know, like, uh, how do I put it? Like, like a, not a sacrifice, but an exchange, you know, an exchange for the sister's health, we will do X, but whatever it is, didn't work, but it left open some kind of exchange. I mean, I know I, I'm not a big fan of the big fan of the theory either. <laughs> Could you tell by my face? <laughs> yeah, it was very, very subtle. I liked that. <laughs> That's because I've sworn enough today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It, it's, again, it's so elaborate that part of me wants to just go, eh, I don't know. But what he describes when he crosses over, when he had that sort of crossover moment, you know, the, the, the way he describes the light is so similar to that moment I had when I was a kid, where I was in the part of the hospital that doesn't actually exist. Mm. And Eclipse lighting is probably the, almost one of the best ways I could use to describe the, the lighting in that room. Yeah. So that, that sort of made me think, okay, well, maybe there's something here. And the fact that, the, you know, the, the writing, like it was something that I, 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 I clipped out of there is this fellow, you know, he, he like he referenced several times that he owns guns and he's not afraid to use them. And, and I kind of, I feel like that to me gave it a ring of authenticity because it seemed like he was genuinely afraid and upset. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, I've never heard anything like it aside from, I mean, the backwards thing, obviously, you know, that, that happened in the previous story, but mm. you know, the, the weird, you know, stranger things-esque transition. <laughs> and, and I, and I will say that is something I, I've noticed, you know, people it's, you know, cause it's such a popular show and it's so influential in culture, influential in culture. Yep. You know, there are people who will claim to have visited the real upside down and, and I just, uh, you know. It's it's like people who talk about going to the real Silent Hill, and I think no, you, none of that happened. Stop that! Stop that right now! <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, listeners, again, if you have any ideas, we would love to hear from you. I I am I am at a loss, but I'm fascinated by that story. I had to share it. That's why this is you know running a little bit longer than ordinarily would, just because I really felt like that that needed to get out there, and yes. I would very much love to know if anyone has any thoughts. Be honest, you just wanted to frighten everybody as much as that story has frightened you, Brennan. Don't lie. And that's the whole reason I do the show, Paul. Okay, that's fine. As long as we're all open <laughs> and honest here. Yeah, no, no. There's, there are no lies here. <laughs> Sleep Hell, we're totally, Be totally honest, I was better at the end of the show than I was at the beginning. That's it. To <laughs> total honesty. I didn't find the groove till about two-thirds of the way through the show. That happens sometimes, folks. That's the story of my life. Yeah, yeah. You and me both, brother. You and me both. And I still can't hang on to it. 
<laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sitting in a closet a thousand miles away from my wife. <laughs> There's a Netflix series in that. <laughs> well, apparently, yeah. I mean, if, if Graham Hancock can get one, by God, why can't I? No, buy any old shit. Hey, Netflix, I got a book. Just came out. You may have heard of it. A Strange Little Place. <laughs> Come see me about the rights. I will sell it to you. You can do whatever you, you can put Zach Baggins in it if you want. I don't care as long as you, as long as you write the check. Starring Paul Bestall as the cat. Well, if that's a given. <laughs> Christ, I'll shoot that right now. <laughs> if we can have you as a Clueso-esque investigator in a giant cat suit, I am in. <laughs> this show has reached its erotic peak. <laughs> Who knew that furry detective shows were a thing? Well, they are now. Mm, you can't be any the worse internet. than the cat in the hat. <laughs> Let's make a kid's film where the character gets an erection. I mean, how crazy can you be? Does he get an erection? I haven't seen that in years. Yeah. Oh, my. When he sees the kid's mum. Oh, well, that's, well, I guess it's, at least it's the mum. Well, it's Mike Myers. It's crazy. Oof. The less said about that, the better. Last last thing before before we wrap it up, m moving on from Mike Myers' uh, unfortunate boner. <laughs> Although I don't know if I can if I have anything even more frightening than that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pause to let Paul work through that one. But one one other thing that occurred to me, and, and another little synchronicity, is that what that fellow described in that story, the way the trees looked. Hmm. That is not all that far off from situations described in Steve Stred's Churn the Soil, which also is similar to something else you and I read, which I'm not going to talk about on air. There is a similarity there. The, yeah. These things in the trees. You're back to the Fae. Uh, uh, who I respect <laughs> a great deal. And so you should. We should all respect the Fae. We really should. We really should. All right, moving on. On that note. This has been our Missing Time episode. I hope you folks enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed putting it together. And I know we're coming up on episode 150, Paul. 150. You catching me out? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're getting there. Halfway there. <laughs> and we are going to have a, uh, it's actually going to be a, a returning classic, something we haven't done in a long time. We're going to have a dreams episode mm. for 150. So if you've had prophetic dreams, any kind of uh, unusual dream, something that came true, I mean, maybe not too unusual. Let's, let's not uh, have any cat in the hat dreams, but, uh, you know, anything that, that, uh, is a pa paranormally, there we go. He got there. Anything that is, uh, a, you know, paranormal in, in the, in the dream realm, send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Don't forget. You can also record a voice note and send it to us attached to an email at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. That's another way to do it. Uh, we would love to hear from you because, again, I'm looking – it's been a long time since we've done a dream show. Yes. And I'm very excited to get back to it because there's actually some really cool stuff that I excised from this show that is going to find its way into that, including mm. people who've had whole lives in dreams. There's actually a great story of a guy that the dream was so vivid and lasted so long that when it went away, he required therapy. Yeah. So – that's coming up on episode 150. Yes. And now I have dreams. I can understand them more. 
That's it. And they're not all just about being on a podcast with me. (laughs) I am living that dream. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. listeners before you reach for that skip 15 seconds ahead button i promise you this isn't an ad we wanted to take a minute to talk to you about mental health on this show i've always tried to be as honest and open as possible about my struggles with depression and anxiety because even though we've come a long way towards acknowledging the very real damage these things can do there is still way too much lingering stigma about reaching out for help and when you start to feel like there's no help it's easy to start feeling like there's no hope. But Paul has joined me today to remind you there is always hope and there's always help. We're not going to try and talk you out of self-harming right now because we know that's not how it works. Instead, what we wanted to do was tell you something now and hope that should things get bad, you'll remember it and make a phone call or send a text message before you make any permanent decisions. As someone who knows all too well just how important mental health can be. It's never too late to reach out. In Canada, the number to call is 133-456-4566. In the USA, the new number to call is 988. That's 988. In the UK, the number to call is 116-123 or text SHOUT. That's S-H-O-U-T to 85258. In Australia, the number to call is 131114. However bad shit seems, it will pass. And no matter what your brain might be telling you at any given moment, and believe me when I say I know this intimately, there are people who love you and people who care deeply about how you treat yourself. Should a time come when you find yourself despairing, Please know that we've both been where you are, and there is a way back to the world. Take care. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to the rest of the Ghost Story Guys team, Luke, Sarah, Anthony, and Joseph. Luke, of course, hosts the podcast Luke Lore, part of the Connected Podcast Network. And uh, his most recent episode was Talkin' Sawin with Amon Mazingo of the Afro Tales podcast. And that is uh, a really, really great conversation between those two guys. Uh, they had a lot of fun. They got great chemistry and you can check that out everywhere. You get your podcasts. Again, that's Luke Lore. And Joseph is host of In Search of Ghosts and also host of the Cardinal Rule YouTube channel. So if you are, uh, if you are a fan of Arizona sports, check out the Cardinal Rule. And of course, thank you to you, my friend and co-host, the inimitable Paul Bestel, the paranormal Johnny Carson, host of Mysteries and Monsters. Paul, what's coming up on Eminem? What isn't coming up at the moment? Good God. I need more fingers and three heads, I think, at the minute. Um, <laughs> coming up, I am re- obviously returning to one of your favorite subjects, as uh-huh. I am delighted to be joined by the wonderful Joe Hickey Hall, who is the person behind 
the modern fairy project. La, where, la, la. Can't hear you. <laughs> la, la, la. So I'll be talking to Jo about her work and how she got involved in collating modern fairy encounters from around the world and talking about her projects as well as her podcast, which is possibly one of the most relaxing, if slightly terrifying, podcasts out there. Um, and then following on that, I shall be joined by Carol Scott as we take a trip to Asia and Oceania to dive into some cryptids that don't get much coverage. Fabulous. And where can everyone find you online? You can find Mysteries and Monsters across all podcast platforms and also on all social media networks, including something called Mastodon, which I might <sighs> figure out by 2027. I too am on Mastodon. <laughs> I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, all of which are largely the truth. Uh, you can find my interview show, Largely the Truth with Brennan Stort, everywhere fine podcasts live. And I also co-host the monthly live stream, Weird Together with Joseph, where we talk about the latest and greatest in independent horror films. I know for October, we talked about Dario Argento's uh, Occhiali Neri, or Dark Glasses, which is a very bad film, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a great soundtrack. A far better soundtrack than the film deserves, but it's a lot of fun. And patrons of the Ghost Story guys, they get the set, they get the audio version, so they don't have to look at my mug when they uh, when if they want to take the show in, they can just listen to it in a very soothing manner. Can't see anyway. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> we're, we got to figure out a situation. I'm in the closet here as always, but it's like just doing it's, a it's, show with Pennywise in a dream. <laughs> For some reason, I don't, it's really dark right now. And I, I mean, it's, it's dark because I'm in a closet, but I've got lights on. I, I don't know. I got. I, I reckon gotta, it's because you're not following my skincare tips and that would make your skin more, more lightable. All right. So, uh, don't tell anyone listeners. I did buy a facial cleanser. That's not a bar of soap. I went in, Good. I went into Jean Coutu. I asked the woman at the, in the counter, I said, what would I, what would I do? And I said, you know, my, I have a bar. I lied. I said, my wife told me. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, yeah. Don't use soap. So she, now I have, I have a, a facial cleanser that I use in the morning that is not a bar of soap. Hmm. Although I, it ended with me getting a, a, a pimple. So I, I don't know. Fuck me. But uh, yeah, it's cleaner in your pores. So they're going to be more open at first. So you might get more spots in the first couple of weeks because your face isn't used to it. Seriously? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a, skin care tips with Paul Bestel. <laughs> Now you just need to make sure you get a nice toner and a good moisturizer, especially when it gets cold over there. Protect your skin. There we go. Skincare <laughs> tips with Paul. <laughs> Have you got enough chapstick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all these people forced me to take care of myself. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Trust me, once you get past 45, mate, you've got to do it. Otherwise, it just all begins to fall off. It's all fallen off anyways, man. There's a reason I'm sitting in the closet in the dark by myself. Well, to be fair, after the last two years, I'm surprised I've got anything left to fall off. But anyway, <laughs> onwards and upwards. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we have a Patreon. You can find more information at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. What I will say here is we have all kinds of digital rewards. We have uh, weekly shows like Book of the Dead and Host Adventures. We have uh, monthly shows like me and Paul. I know last month we had a a uh, two hour plus Q and a episode. And sometimes you get bonus material as well. Uh, the last episode, of course, we played Garrett's song at the end of the show. And so we didn't want to include a bunch of goofy outtakes because we didn't want to sort of take away from the impact of his song. So patrons got 12 minutes worth of outtakes from that show. And so there's 
all kinds of stuff at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. And ordinarily, this is where we would do our ghost force shout outs because we do them every other episode. If you support us at the $20 level and above. Uh, however, we are recording this. It is now almost uh, half past midnight. Paul's time. This has been a very long record and uh, we do not want to terrify his poor partner, Julie, out of sleep with his, uh, what amounts to a Macho Man Randy Savage impersonation in the lounge. <laughs> but thank you to all the members of Ghost Force. We appreciate you so, so, so much, especially now we know times are tight and that you keep supporting the show uh, means so, so much to us. So thank you to everyone who supports us. And again, if you want to join the team, head to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. Uh, Paul, any appearances? You do. You have some appearances coming up. Uh, I, I do, yes. I've just appeared on uh, Mission Spooky, which was Fantastic. a wonderful and rather long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that often happens with Mission Spooky. It was so so long that one of them had to leave to go and buy food. So I don't know if that meant they were suffering through malnutrition during the conversation or they had a prior engagement. But it was good fun. And we talked about some strange ghosts from the UK. And obviously Kiki's family originate from my neck of the woods, so I brought up a couple of uh, Bradford-based ghosts, including a story that connects to Dracula. Very cool. And of course, you talked about the phenomenon of Bigfoot in Britain, which I'm sure was... Uh... <laughs> well, if you say saying the word no twice, then yes. Yes, I that did. Is, that is still technically conversation. <laughs> That's how I've been able to say I've had a conversation with Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> Yeah, so we talk about all kinds of crazy things, and I continue to push my Bigfoot ghost agenda. Sounds both sinister and endearing, <laughs> which really is, it's the Paul Bestel brand. Yes. So yeah, I've got that going on. And then obviously, I'm, uh, I've, I'm, I will officially be making my public speaking debut as someone in the paranormal next September as well, which is quite exciting. That's so fucking cool. Do you want to talk about that now or you want to wait till it's a little bit closer? Uh, no, I'll mention it now and, and then mention it yeah, there. Yeah. Yes, so I've, I've been invited to speak at Paramit, which is a UK-based paranormal conference, which is held at a haunted manor house in Rugby in the county of Warwickshire. And uh, I'm delighted and, and rather humbled to have been asked. So, so far, this will be my first appearance. So, yes, I'm going to be appearing on the Saturday, 2nd of September at the moment. So I know it's 10 months away, so I might get me me uh me talk sorted by then <laughs> that is so goddamn cool i am gonna do my damnedest to get there for that by god <laughs> i wasn't able to make it there for your birthday this year but i have 10 months to prepare for this one <laughs> you put five dollars away a week you'll get there in no time love <laughs> yeah yeah the interest the interest will add well, my interest rates are going up so anyways moving on <laughs> no that's so cool man that's so cool and you you deserve it again i i I think that is the best shit because, again, you've, you've got so much to teach, so much to offer, and I think it's, uh, it's great that that is finally being acknowledged in the, in the wider community. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just the, like I say, it's been a heavy, hectic week with a couple of other projects landing on my lap as well. So uh, it's going to be an even busier 2023. Fantastic. And, of course, Paul wrote the uh, preface, the foreword for my new edition of Strange Little Place, which you can get everywhere. Fine books are sold, but uh, really actually just Amazon. <laughs> and that is, uh, that's an updated and expanded second edition. So there's sort of like the, 
the version of the book I always wanted to put out, but I just wasn't good enough at writing to do the first time. Mm. So this is the, the, uh, the new and, and I'm, I'm hoping final version of strange. And so again, Paul has very kindly written the forward for that and you can get that everywhere you get your books, but uh, no, really just Amazon. <laughs> um, I've had some people ask about signed copies. Uh, I'm not really set up here to do that. I'm not really set up here in Montreal to do a lot of mail order, but, um, that said, you know, if it, we, I may be able to work something out down the road and, and when I do, I will, I'll make a mention on the show. Uh, as far as my appearances, like I said, I, I'm going to be on Jim Harold's ghost insight coming up. Woo. I was on, yeah, I was on Paratalk, which is uh, Reeves cook show. And we had a really great conversation. Reeves is a smart dude. And, um, it was funny, you know, he said, I usually try and keep the show to about 30 minutes. And I thought, no, not a chance. <laughs> I've corrupted you. <laughs> I think we, I think we drew the line under it at about, I think it's 42 the episode runs. Um, but, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, he, he says he's going to have me back, although that may have just been a way to, uh, to get me <laughs> off the line. Yeah, we're going to Stockholm have, syndrome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's it for appearances for the time being. We're trying to, we're trying to arrange some other stuff. But uh, nothing, nothing firm yet. So when that, when that's when that's for sure, I'll mention it. And of course, you can find all our appearances. That's mine, Paul's, Luke's, Anthony's at ghoststoryguys.com. Just check the blog, and every time we do an appearance, you will see a post there with uh, an embedded player, so you can listen to that. And I know Luke appeared recently on the Tracing Owls podcast, and he will be back on there again soon, talking about folklore. So I, I do encourage you to check that out. Oh, of course, and. I did an interview with Spooks, Creeps, and Assorted Devilry, which I'm not sure when that's coming out, but it should be soon. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Those guys are great. Mm. Uh, Tanya, Rick, Laura, they are really cool people. And uh, Rick wasn't able to make it uh, for the interview, but still, they're always in our Facebook group. Of course, they run their own very successful Facebook group and just cool people all around. And, and again, I think, uh, I think that'll be a fun conversation when that gets published. So I'll make sure to blast that across the socials when it happens. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head to our website and link to our Tee Public store. Uh, we've actually, we've really had a problem with fake shit. We, <laughs> people are bootlegging our stuff. And I've, so. I've heard uh, it's Brett Manning. That's, I know, right? Terrible. Oh, We're on to you, Manning. <laughs> Such a nice lady. We're kidding. We're of course yeah, kidding, Brett. Well, absolutely. 100%. Um. But, uh, yeah, Brett, Brett's, you know, Brett's a, a friend of the show and, and she's, she's had to deal with this far worse than we ever oh, had. Unreal. Um, it's ridiculous. But yeah, so it, the reason I bring it up is if you are going to buy something from us, it, it, buy it from Redbubble or TeePublic. There's nowhere else that's licensed to sell Ghost Story Guys stuff. If you do see someone selling it, let us know. Shoot us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Uh, I, again, apparently we've, we've reached that strange point of success where people now want to steal from us. It is a, it is a curious victory. This <laughs> I, I tell you, I bred, of course, her book, one foot in the green is out now. And I stupidly forgot to update my shipping address before my copy shipped. So it's sitting in Victoria and <laughs> I cannot read it until, well, I guess until Nikki comes here for Christmas, I'm going to see if I can get her to bring it. Cause I really want to read it. Mm. But, uh, oh, I was kicking myself in the ass. I tell you, <laughs> you have a copy, don't you? I do. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, uh, I'm very jealous. It looks it looks cool. I, everything I see on social media, I I want to read it. Yes, and I'm delighted to say that Brett will be joining me on Mysteries and Monsters for a uh, upcoming episode, which uh, hopefully 
may be released. Maybe my first episode of 2023. Not that I like to plan ahead. <laughs> no, no. Paul Bessel planning ahead. Perish the thought. It's only eight weeks, mate. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> well, I've got a list here. Look. Go to hell with your list. Goes up to the 16th of January. Don't see me on there, you bastard. Uh, I think you'll find you are there. Oh, am I? It just says too big to be on Mysteries and Monsters. That's what it says there. <laughs> I mean, physically big, yes. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm seeing a nutritionist. <laughs> All right. We better bring this in for a landing or Paul's going to be up till uh, he has to go to work in the morning. Our bumper music has been composed by Rainy Days for Ghosts. Again, Rainy Days for Ghosts is a project of Jerry Smith. Jerry is a film journalist and composer based in California. If you want to hire him for your next project, shoot him an email at rainydaysforghosts at gmail.com. Jerry's latest album, Spells 2.0, has hit streaming via Night Harvest Recordings. Of course, that's our in-house label here. So if you want to stream anything by Rainy Days for Ghosts, they are now available on streaming platforms everywhere. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter Kursov of Pizanta Music. Find more from him by searching for Pizanta Music wherever you get your tunes. And our story theme. Is the future belongs to them now by hexagram. Find more from them by searching for hexagram wherever you get your music. Remember, that's hexagram with two X's, not three. And I guess that's going to do it. Well, we'll be back in two weeks. But until then, into the darkness we go. He said, yeah, she's really good. She just wanted to say hello to you. So I said, oh, well, what's her name? So he said, oh, it's Ali. I said, well, next time we do a ghost story, guys, we'll say hi, but don't tell her. Very strange. Something in the air. Something in the air. Something in the ground. (laughs) I want to know how meat equals ghosts. The meat ghosts. I do not want to see that. With Brian Bananas. Okay, well, I'm back on board. I don't know who this is, but if he if he has giant bananas for fingers, I'm 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 all the way in. Oh no, I can't believe you've ruined that film for me. I didn't ruin that film for you. <laughs> they ruined that film for you. It's been reported that squirrels tend to lose the vast majority of nuts they hide. They forget where they've buried them. I did not. Is this a, is this a punchline or is this just a scientific fact? That's a fact. Really? Mm. So squirrels are just idiots. Yeah. Well, the little bastard that dug up, dug up half my flowers in the bloody summer and never came back for his nuts. <laughs> because he knew I was waiting for him to box his little fluffy ears. Dig over there. It's full of fucking weeds. Little bastard. <laughs> no one expects the cosmic cheerleaders. <laughs> or the shit people. Or the shit people. Yeah, I like. I, everyone says that you never expect the shit. You expect the unexpected shit, people. Yeah, it's not just the Spanish Inquisition. You see, grasshopper, this is powdered deer penis. <laughs> not falling for that one again. <laughs> do you, Do you know for for thirty points? Do you know what Steven Seagal film that is taken from? 
fuck no. The the glimmer man. (laughs) I'm glad there are some parts of my brain where things like that do not reside. Oh, now you're just bragging. (laughs) My brain isn't corrupted with encyclopedic knowledge of Steven Seagal's 90s and 2000s put out. Look at me, I'm Paul. (laughs) 